I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up, she says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up. She says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. Before we get started with this episode, I'd like to share with you a few announcements about what's going on in the Womb Centered Healing Temple which is an online space for womb-centered healing practitioners to collaborate and share the important work of womb-centered healing with the world. I'm Sama Morningstar, the founder of the Womb-Centered Healing Temple. I'd like to invite you to visit the Womb-Centered Healing Temple website at wombcenteredhealing.com. And there you can sign up to to receive the Womb Centered Healing Temple newsletter, which will send you an email notification every time there's a new podcast episode out. And you'll also receive notifications about blog posts. uh, And you'll also um, be notified when there's new events, courses, and things to, to look forward to. You can explore the website there and see a variety of online courses that are available to support your womb-centered healing journey. So I hope to see you there um, signing up for the newsletter and perhaps for some courses and events. And otherwise, until then, enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar and I have Shelly and Bree with me here today. Welcome. I met Shelly, at least Shelly, I didn't meet Bree yet, but she said that we would be coming along um, in in a podcast guest uh, Facebook group. And she she was saying, Shelly was saying that her and her daughter love to come on people's podcasts and talk about the mother-daughter relationship. And I said, well, that would be perfect for the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. Um, and it's, I'm really delighted after hearing more about what you love to talk about. Um, there's so many uh, uh, avenues that this conversation can, can meander down. I'm really looking forward to this. So um, Shelly and Bree, would you please introduce yourselves and share a little bit about um, your womb centered healing journey. And, you know, we talked about before how this mother daughter relationship topic is really central to that womb centered healing journey. So please do introduce yourselves and share about that. Well, my name is Shelly Mache, and um, initially I am a certified life purpose coach and I am a self-awareness expert. I'm also an author and a speaker. And so together with my daughter, what I really enjoy is that we've come together and we are taking entertainment by storm. Does that sound good? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So we're actually, um, we host red carpet events, together, or I should say we did before, pre-COVID. before, yes, pre-COVID. So uh-huh. we hosted red carpet events together. We hosted celebrity events together, um, things of, of that nature. And so I am 
that I am um, learning about the, um, what is it, womb-centered healing. Yes. So I'm actually learning about that from you today, Miss Sama. And so the journey that we have been on really is being able to transition our relationship. Yes, we do um, all of these things today because I, I believe that I can truly say we've come into a level of friendship. Um, instead of just the mother-daughter relationship, I think we've been able to come to kind of a full circle of being able to see one another as people, see one another as women, and not just keep each other in a box. And I think that that's central to what we were speaking about earlier about that womb-centered healing. And in order for you to be able to have that and to be able to have that type of a relationship, you... You, you have to be able to, to see one another beyond just the boxes that we check off. So that's pretty much our journey and, um, and what it is that, that we enjoy being able to do. The mother-daughter relationship can be extremely tensed. It can be, um, there can be a battle you know, you have these two two women, one growing into herself, one who have, who is an adult, one who's trying to become an adult, one who's trying to protect you from from bumping your head as you become an adult. And there's a lot of there's a lot of tension in that growing process. But I believe that during that we have come to a point again where we've leveled some of those things out, and we can actually look at one another as as friends. I think I did. I wrap. Yeah, I, I, I mean, as always, there's really nothing left. For me. You know, I don't like repeated stuff, so you know, it'd be nothing for me to follow up with. But um, hello, I am Bree, um, the daughter of Michelle here. Um, I am a ASL. <coughs> Really Excuse me. Well, you know, I had turn. a little something. So well, you didn't have it when it was well, your but it was a tickle. Talk. I had okay. a tickle. I see what you did. Here. So. <laughs> this is what I deal no. with. This is what I, I deal know, with. All of a sudden, you wanted to cough when it was my turn to talk. So I had a tickle. I had a little tickle. I didn't have no tickle when it was your turn. That's all I'm saying. I have another tickle. <laughs> you see now, how all of a sudden the tickles are just coming. Okay. Oh, the two of you are okay. real fun. Oh my God. Um, I'm an American Sign Language interpreter mm -hmm. and a deaf culture merger, which is just someone who spends a lot of time in the hearing community, educating about the deaf community and deaf culture, bringing awareness to sign language in hopes to increase the numbers of hearing people learning sign language so that deaf people can have access to the everyday world that they also contribute to. Take a breath. That was good. You're like, mm. oh, I mean, you know, it all, oh, it's, just, it's one long sentence. Yeah, it, it, was, it was long. But, okay, that well, was like, good, though. Well, look, that was good. Yeah. I, I, I had to take a breath. I was, no, but I still have breath. Okay. So, you know, I was. It was a long sentence. Thank you. Well, it was inspiring, Bree. I'm telling you, I'm sitting over here having a, a images of having you be on the podcast interpreting what it's saying on my youtube channel for me. <laughs> she's she's great at what she does unbiased opinion i mean i i have a lot of i still have a long ladder to climb up you know mm -hmm. you'll have people thinking that i can just interpret anything. she's great at what she does I, look interpreting it well let me just sidebar real quick interpreting is a really tough skill a lot of people think that just because you're fluent in american sign language that that means that you're qualified to interpret absolutely not and when you interpret you use a whole nother completely different side of your brain and your brain has to be doing this in like seconds and especially like when you're dealing with a language that doesn't have uh the same concepts so in this amount of time you have to find those concepts to match to make sure that that message is clear and that is such a tough skill. And that's a skill that you have to practice that, especially with ASL, when they we do this thing called concept on the hands, English on the mouth. So a lot of like upper level deaf people who have like PhDs, you'll sign the concept of what it means, but actually signing, mouthing the English words. And that crap is hard. <laughs> that is really oh, hard. Goodness. So now she decided to give us all a lesson I know, I in ASL because she wanted us to see how fabulous she is no, and how hard she no, worked. No, the point was just to see how much <laughs> see, of a ladder she just, that I 
I have to She's climb. all because I coughed earlier. She wanted to make sure oh that it goodness. was known how difficult the skill you know, is. Yeah, because people don't give interpreters their respect. I just gave it to no, you. No, not you. I just wanted, you know, anonymous just... listeners to, you know, <laughs> just think about that for a second. Oh. No, but yeah, but I, I definitely enjoy what I do. Um, we write scripts together. Yes. Um, we produce the web series together. Um yeah, you already mentioned the red carpet and mm-hmm. all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And you already said the rest of the stuff about our relationship, so I won't repeat that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I got that in. I got that in. <laughs> and, and you're demonstrating this, uh, some of the things that you were talking about, too, of this this process of of playing with and enjoying your relationship with each other that also includes this tension of um, that, that can be so common and so understandable in the mother-daughter relationship that, that is tickles me to, um, to witness it and, and feel that same thing that goes on between my mother and I and my mother and, my, and her mother and you know other mothers and daughters um, and that that sort of uh, tension that you're that you're demonstrating in such a jovial and and humorous way um, is is so endearing, and I think uh, will help listeners to connect with the with that own, their own uh, mother daughter relationship and all relationships in their lives that are so intimate, and yet there can be this rubbing up against each other and and making light of it and having fun with it is seems like uh, one of the tools that you probably demonstrate very often to people that you support on that journey. Well, one of the things um, that we like for, for people to know is that everything here is natural. Mm-hmm. So there, there's nothing that you get that's, you know, pre-rehearsed or let's do this, let's do that. This is, this, this is years worth of building. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes, um, a lot of times parents miss that. Um, they, they sit down with us or they look at us and it's like, oh, how can I get what you guys have. I want that kind of relationship with my daughter. I want to be able to, to have fun with my daughter, to play with my daughter, this, 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 this. And I think sometimes what we miss as parents is we got this because of what happened 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this was a work in, uh, you know, in progress. We, um, I went through the teenager years, just like everybody else. We oh, went, man. we went through the, uh, uh, you know, We've gone through all of all of those things. So none of this of what you see has happened. The smooth trail that you see only was possible from the rocks, mm-hmm. from the from the tough times, mm-hmm. from the um, the respect that's built, from the discipline that's laid out, from the example that you try to set as a parent. We're not perfect as parents, but I think one of the things that we should really be careful about is the physical example that we set. I I truly believe that children watch us more than they listen to us. Mm -hmm. You know, did you listen? No. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear much of a hesitation on that. She didn't have, right? Mm -hmm. No. No, but I mean, he tried to look and see me. Yeah, I to think about it. I'm like, yeah, there's no justification. Like, no, I didn't listen, but I did start listening uh, when I started going to college um, because That's, the, see how long that took when she went to college. Yeah, what was you know, that about? But the thing is, the mindset. Well, for one, let me tell you, my mother made it very clear that me turning 18 meant absolutely nothing nothing so there's no need in me waking up and starting to feel myself please and don't. being like oh i'm grown and this and that and thinking that i could just do whatever in the house and be disrespectful because i'll come home and the locks will be changed so knowing that i didn't have nowhere to go if i was disrespectful that really made it very easy for me to humble myself <laughs> as i was transitioning into adulthood um, so I think the fact that also it was an intentional transition that you set up also, like, let's, um, let me teach you how to do X, Y, and Z financially. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to get a job while you're at school, but if you just want like some chump change mm-hmm. to, you know, get some snacks or basic necessities, let's work this out and see if you can do blah, blah, blah. If it's too much with all the units, don't worry about it, mm-hmm. you know, but so every transition from freshman year, sophomore mm-hmm. year, junior year, it so was, just, it was just given a little, a, a yeah, little bit of how to guide mm-hmm. me through that 
which I think also is what helped, like you said, years or even though that wasn't years, I mean, it was. Well, college wasn't of, years ago, but you've been, of, out, I've for, been out for a, for a minute, while. I, for like four years, right? Five. Oh, wow, you're old. Have mercy. Maybe. <laughs> hey, when did I graduate? Well, I, I entered college in that was, Yeah, but you graduated in 2016, so that's okay. almost five years ago. That's yeah, those that time be moving, but yeah, Mm -hmm. and well, actually, that's really I I even I thank her for even saying that because as a parent, we need to hear some of the things that we did right. (laughs) You know, what what did we do right? It's so easy for our kids to tell us everything (laughs) that we didn't get right. (laughs) Also, I was very self aware about myself. I knew that I I needed rules. Mm -hmm. I knew that that's what you said. I knew that without rules, that I was just like just I don't even I was self-destruct because too too much freedom at once I I couldn't handle it and so it was very important for me to make sure that I was listening to that sound advice and then like you said earlier Simon like my mother ended up becoming my mentor like during those years and even to this day I don't make financial decisions without running that past by her people be trying to these credit card people be trying to get me I'll be like no I think we're frozen they be trying to get me and I'll be like no I'm like I need to talk to my mother aka my financial advisor first so I can see if this is even a wise move. she makes me laugh every I, time she says that oh I, I need to talk to my like, financial advisor first <laughs> no, I, mm-mm, mm-mm. and so I think that because I was very self-aware that it also made it easy for me to be receptive of the advice and guidance from my mother during that time because I knew I didn't know everything and I didn't even try to act like I knew everything I knew I was a dummy I knew I was a dumb (laughs) 18 year old just like everybody else and I was not that 18 year old that thought that they knew everything no I knew I was dumb and needed some help so I made it very easy like for me to be receptive so to have this kind of relationship like it really takes a two-way street it takes the mother like you said earlier being able to gain a different perspective of the child but it also takes work on the child to be able to humble themselves and be able to receive and I'll be like well that was your time then you know this is my time let me do me our parents really do know what they're talking about sure like each world looks different but the principle remains the same bottom line yeah. so yeah and there's so much yeah. wisdom that our parents our parents can pass along to us uh, yeah. you know within their the scope of a human being that might right not going to have all the wisdom in the world and and a child might develop a, a new kind of wisdom out of they the definitely are going to yeah. de- develop right. a new kind of wisdom yes out of the places where the mother or the or the, the parents or the adults in their lives had shortcomings perhaps or hadn't developed that wisdom then that becomes exactly and a motivation to then develop that wisdom for themselves and fill in the gaps and 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 come back with more wholeness and Mm -hmm. that that gift to give to the family Um, yeah but you're absolutely right she there's some wisdom and and I think as parents we need to be able to not be offended by that that there's some things that our children are going to pick up and learn because the times are different Mm -hmm. there's going to be some things that they pick up and learn and we're just not going to have the answers to that we may not even have the understanding to that and we need to be open enough to say you know what hey Brie I don't get that you know help help me help me understand that or what's going on with that I say to people all the time what was that? We were t- with um, texting, and uh, because oh yeah, I, I that just, happened today. Yeah, okay, today we had let, that conversation. Let me just tell you, Miss Salma. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing. Okay, I come from the background that you don't, you know, communicate with people over the phone before a certain hour. So if you call people or text people, you know, at six and seven in the morning, the way I was raised, that's inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. And that's rude. Mm-hmm. And you don't go around texting people, you know, at, at six o'clock in the morning, even if you are up, you wait for a decent hour so that you're not disturbing their home. And so um, she's like, no, that's not really what it is. It's not disrespectful. It's not this, it's not that. And so, you know, and I'm going, no, I think you're wrong. You know, that that's, that's not how you do things. And she's like, no, this is probably how you're looking at it, you know, but she's like, right now where we are, um, what texting means to, to this generation and how we communicate, there's absolutely nothing disrespectful. It doesn't matter. You wake up, you text somebody anytime you feel like it, 
when I respond is when I respond. And I'm just like, and then of course, <laughs> but I was also explaining that, you know, texting wasn't a big thing when you were growing up. And right. even when you were like a younger adult, that right. wasn't a, a you know we had the cell what, phones but it wasn't yeah but it wasn't what it is now. What it, right so of course like it was being embedded that you don't disturb someone's house you know you got the ringer going off at six in the morning but this is somebody's personal cell phone if it vibrated vibrate they gonna press decline and roll over back to sleep like, see so you know so for me i'm just like you just don't do that that's not what you do you just wait to a decent time <laughs> so it's interesting again because it doesn't matter what what I say, that's not going to change, you know, her perspective of that. That is how, how they run things, how you do things. And no matter what she says, I'm not going to see things in that way. I still would never text anyone, you know, at six o'clock in the morning. But because we understand the mindset behind it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So her being able to give me a different perspective of the mindset, we as parents, we have to have to be open enough to say, okay, it's a different mindset. It's a different, you know, it's this type of a change. Yes, what, what seems to have been disrespectful in my era may not be that, but let me understand the, the mind, you know, that we're going into. And that's part of us building that back and forth respect of, I don't have to agree with you, but I, I see what you're saying. And I can take that and still do things my way, <laughs> you know? But I bet that it also helps you when when Bree texts you at 6 a.m. to not be so offended or upset. Bree doesn't text me at 6 a.m. Oh, I see. It helped her to adjust <laughs> her habits in order to respect your your. Feelings. Yeah, I was just telling. Bree, I was telling Bree my mom text a story me. about one of my friends, and I was like, "Yeah," and they text me at like 6:30 in the morning to tell me blah blah blah, and so she. Oh, Why I are see. they texting you? Yeah. Yeah. You already so worked that part out. I'm, I'm not texting anyone because I'm asleep. And if people are texting me again, I'm not responding until like nine o'clock because uh -huh. my phone is on do not disturb because I will not be disturbed. So there you go. Sleeping. So that's the nice thing about, about, that's the thing about cell phones. There's all these functions like airplane mode and do not disturb. Which is that, what she's explaining. Why right. No, why did you do the same you movement that I did? Thing. Just want to be like me so bad. Oh my goodness. Oh gosh. This is what I deal with every day. <laughs> okay, so I'm I want to um bring this conversation uh into the even more into the realm of womb-centered healing, but and within this topic of the mother becoming the mentor of the daughter as she's coming into her own maturity. And I'd love to hear your stories, if you're willing to share about, um, about how you mentored Brie and Brie, how you received that mentoring around your coming of age as a woman and starting your menstrual cycle and coming of age as a woman and perhaps starting to explore sexual activity. Uh, these are big womb-centered healing topics that often the neglect of that coming of age time and the and the lack of mentoring and support and information and full initiation in those times can can be um, detrimentally impactful for the rest of our lives. And I I um, I uh, am still recovering from the fact that my mother received no mentoring about her menstrual cycle. It was a big dark secret. She thought she was going to die when she first started bleeding at 10 years old. And then at 17, she still didn't understand how babies were made and what actually goes on and had a boyfriend for a couple of years and then figured out on her own that something was amiss and that it was me. <laughs> And so I was, the myth. <laughs> I was the miss that was there. And that, I mean, without going into the, all the details of the story, as you can imagine, as a 17 year old with, you know, an irresponsible boyfriend who, you know, that's how young, young men are typically um, not taught how to be responsible in that way either. Um, and all the responsibility is, is, is laid onto the, the young women if that kind of thing goes on. And so back in 1970, which is the year that that was going on when I was being conceived, 
um, within a Catholic family that there was a lot of suffering that happened around that, which influenced my gestation, my conception, my gestation and my birth and my entire childhood. And I'm still recovering from the effects of that now in my life. And so this, the, you know, the kind of hush hush, we don't talk about that. Um, and, you know, here, just here's a package of tampons and this is what you do with it. And that's the only conversation you ever have. That kind of approach to the mother-daughter relationship around menstruation and sexuality, I feel, is one of the places that needs a lot of attention and healing. And so I'm curious what you discovered in your journey around that. This is the first time I've had a mother-daughter, besides my own mom, on the podcast. And so I'm really curious what your journey has been like around that and how, how you've overcome any challenges in that arena. Well, I'll start there because um, this is actually kind of funny because we had a conversation not too long ago mm -hmm. about this. Uh, she, myself, and my other daughter. And so our our memories were, were a bit different because where I thought that I had opened up the door a little bit to this, she's like, not really. I, I didn't really know what was going on. I know that she, uh, because she was young, I didn't think that it was even time to talk with her about that because she was so young so she was going into into her transition but she really only heard about it in my memory at church when she was at church in a, a group setting with a bunch of women and they were talking about about um your cycle and you know and what to do and the church member came to me because Bree was like huh what are you talking about and so the church member came to me apologizing she was the um the Sunday school teacher. And she came to me apologizing saying, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that Brie was so young. You know, we were talking about, you know, the body and, and girls and how the body changed. And I, I had no idea that she didn't know, you know, about cycles. Now in my memory, because that was the first time I thought that we had began, you know, little discussions here and um, here and there. That's my memory of it because that's when the door was open, but her memories were, were completely different. I did say growing up, you know, when I become um, an adult, I want to make sure that I'm more open with my children than my mother was with me. Because in my household, you just didn't talk about that. You did sex ed and everything at school. And that's where you got your information. When I started my cycle, I didn't even tell my mother. Mm. You know, I was just taking stuff from her, um, from her cabinet until she was just like, where, uh, where is everything? So it's like, okay, well, I guess I just have to, but it was, it just felt like a, like a taboo. It felt like um, something to kind of, you know, shun. I never wanted to put sanitary napkins in the basket. You know, I always would be like, oh, can you just pick me up something? So it was kind of like a, a and she wasn't shunning me. Don't get me wrong. Those, that's just how, how I took it that, you know, this is just not something. It's yeah. It's very private. It's not, you know, you don't really talk about it, but I didn't want that mm -hmm. for my children so I thought that I had opened that door up a little um better I thought but turns out <laughs> that wasn't the case mm. according to her and my youngest daughter again I'm like you're young it's not time it's not time yet but I think my youngest daughter probably went to her mm. to have conversation did she I don't think so. No, because she didn't. But my youngest daughter is very private, very yeah, private. So you almost have to go to her and be like, hello. But um, I know for sure with, with Bree, she's like, no, this is how I remember things. Yeah, I don't think Bethany ever came to me to ask me. I don't have any memories of that. Okay, well, I know you said that your experience was different than what I had thought it was. Yeah, well, I don't even remember the church Yeah, she experience. said she don't remember the church no, experience at all. <laughs> I have no recollection of that. Like, um, I, I mean, I've, I heard of what, like, a, I didn't know it was called, like, a cycle. Like, you know, kids are ghetto, so they say, like, period. Like, whatever, you know. I don't think it's a wrong. It's not a wrong, yeah. but I'm just saying, but you know mm -hmm. how, you know, kids just say anything in, in whatever tone, however mm -hmm. they feel like it, no filter. But so every now and then, like, I would hear, like, oh, period, but I never, like, knew what it meant. And so the way that I transitioned into my cycle, like, I was spotting. And so I thought that I was dying because, like, I literally, like, just walked into the bathroom. 
and I just seen like, and I was like, I don't know what the heck this is. I'm like, are these like poop stains? Or I'm like, I didn't poop on my like. And then it you was were just, you were young. I was uh, you, ten. Yeah, a fresh ten. I was yeah, I was a yeah. Was I? Yeah, because you had made ten in January. I know, but and then this was, was a, only like a couple a couple of months later, and then you were out of school a couple of months after that. So okay, fresh ten. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, like, are these poop stains? Like, I just had like so many thoughts and I didn't know what to do. And I was just like, okay. And then, you know, the, in the bathroom at the school that I was at, the lights were always dim. They never were bright mm -hmm. and properly working. So I just thought maybe it was because of the lights that it, mm -hmm. I'm looking at some dim, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so it just like kept continuing. So then I, I told you, and then you were like, oh, well, if you keep continuously spotting, you know let me know so then maybe about like a week or two later I let you know you was like oh it just sounds like you started your cycle and then I do remember like that we went to lunch mm -hmm. like the next day and you talked to me like more in depth about it but I don't feel like that I was fully prepared. fully prepared yeah for, I didn't for the beginning of it so I yeah. did definitely once then you know I wanted to make sure that she wasn't scared I wanted to make sure that she understood you know what was happening I wanted to make sure she understood that her body was in a position now to have children and so I I wanted to have that yeah. that whole conversation and I wanted to to make it a nice conversation I didn't want it to feel like ah you know this is what's what's happening to me so we went out we had you know we had a nice lunch or dinner whatever it was we sat down it was open for you to ask questions you know anything like that and and so, like I said, in my mind, <laughs> I thought that there was a, a preparation here mm -hmm. until I found out recently the preparation wasn't there, but the after mm -hmm. effect was. And so, um, you know, so hopefully when she has children, you know, it, it'll be different for, for them yeah. where she'll be able to really prepare in a way that I didn't. So with each generation, you know, I think it has gotten gotten better. Because we're pretty open. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Like, what I, did you think? I'm sorry, I just had a question I wanted to jump in with. Uh, for Shelly, what, what kind of preparation did you think you had offered? I thought really honestly, again, she was very young. She was she was 10. But from the time my, my daughter was little, I was not that person who didn't talk about the body. Mm -hmm. It didn't, you know, when you're in the tub, we talk about the body. We talk about, about this, you know, your body parts, blah, blah, blah. We talked about people touching. We talked about, so our bath time was always our time to have conversation and to sit down and to talk about, about things. So in my head, I think I just, put that in there that, oh, this was probably a part of our body talks and things like that and come to find out it was not. Cause I do, I, I mean, my memories are faint cause it was so long ago. Right. I do have small memories of you like educating me about like people touching and like what are no, no spots mm -hmm. and like, and things like that. So, I mean, I can understand from your perspective why you thought that it was all together, but I didn't even know like I, I didn't even understand even when I was spotting I still didn't have like full right understanding there, there wasn't of the what like of the what, cycle mm -hmm. was like I thought okay you just get it okay you just get it and mm -hmm. that's it and it's like and no it's just like over. there's a whole there's a you're right and then it's yeah. just over and then so when it my my body finally adjusted into an actual five to seven day flow I'm like so I just bleed forever like it never <laughs> stops so there even then there still wasn't like a full understanding like no you got a week and then you got three weeks off and, and I, you got a week and, and I think some off. of it really had to do with with youth because you know um and and then I again afterwards the 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 conversation is all was always open you could always come come back and have a conversation nothing was off where it's like oh we we can't we can't talk about this mm -hmm. but again um, what I thought was, was preparation or helping you with the understanding, it just, it didn't translate. So when I say that as parents, we need to be open to the fact of, yes, I thought that something was taking place, but what I thought was taking place was not there. So we need to be open to the fact of how do our children receive stuff? How are you getting it? Are you getting it? Are you understanding? So that is where, um, I don't like to use the word that is where I lacked. I, I gave with the best that I had at the time. And so if I had the information now at that time, I would have readjusted some things, but I gave with what I had at that time. And I left it open where she would always be able to, 
talk, let's sit down, whatever, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So, which was more than I had growing up. And that was my purpose Mm, Beautiful to make things better. Yeah. And you know, some moms that I've talked to about this topic, um, said that have told me that, um, and I don't have children, you know, this is why I'm, I'm saying, talking about other moms and not my own experience with my own daughters, but, um, what they've shared with me is that often the preparation happens just naturally that the daughter comes in the bathroom and sees the mother's blood in the toilet or sees the mother doing what she's doing with her pads or whatever. That never happened for you. You had more of a pride. No, no, I've never left anything. (laughs) No, no. And no, um, the bathroom is my private time. And so you, you wait (laughs) on, on the other side. (laughs) <laughs> right. And then, then there's, there's probably there, I mean, needing that private time is a very legitimate way of having a healthy motherhood, right? Of, of mm-hmm. really Oh, yes. Reconserving re- that, that privacy for yourself is, is really important for, for moms to have that sense of, of time to themselves and things like that. Definitely. It's very, it's very, probably very quite common that that scenario didn't necessarily happen for other moms. And so then how to um, have, then that, then that might take a little bit more deliberate preparation for mm-hmm. very young children, you know, as, as young women are starting to bleed at age 10 and sometimes even yes. earlier with, yes. with all of the, you know, hormonal influences in our environment right now, you know, some, some young girls are starting to, starting to bleed much earlier and to right. avoid this, you know, um, shocking experience of thinking they're going to die right and, and mm-hmm. not knowing why they're bleeding suddenly uh, is to somehow um uh open up uh that conversation or be having a conversation in a in an age appropriate way early on one of the mm-hmm. guests i had on the podcast actually wrote a children's book about that based on of course, her experience of her daughter coming in and seeing the blood in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, but she made it this beautiful rhyming children's book about how beautiful the blood was. And she she did a whole poetry uh, book about um, menstruation and the sacredness of the blood and all of this and with artwork and everything. So this was right up her alley to write a children's book uh, to sort of counteract a lot of these ideas that people that that people have still mm-hmm. in our lives and, and that might, they might be, re, her daughter might have been receiving from other children who may have had different, right. different attitudes in their families about the blood being something to be ashamed of, or mm-hmm. you know, the menstrual cycle being something that was, that was shameful or dirty or all those other um, perspectives that were wanting to grow out of right and, and reconnect with the menstrual cycle as the source of our creative power right and our ability to regenerate life and so she wrote this beautiful little rhyming poetry book um that she for her two-year-old daughter to start to prepare and, and i really feel like a lot of the um folk tales that that have the young girl pricking her finger and three drops of blood falling into the well, or, you know, these, these fairy tales that have uh, the spindle and the finger being mm-hmm. pricked and, and, you know, that have that, or, or the three pomegranate seeds that are eaten in the underworld and, and, and stories of going into the underworld, the young girl going on a journey in the underworld. Um, those are all preparatory stories about the energetics of the menstrual cycle that can um, be shared with young children before that are age appropriate and then they're Mm -hmm. familiar with that kind of a journey of of going to the underworld they're familiar with the idea of of an initiation process around blood definitely and definitely yeah and then that conversation has a context for a young child well you know how the character in this story pricked her finger and she Mm -hmm. and you can just guy that this is like that and this is what happens to mom with mom every every month i go Mm -hmm. on a journey and it and i know i'm going on that journey because i see some blood and this will happen to you at some point and i just want you to know that you'll get to go on this journey as as well someday 
And, and that can be uh, those kinds of stories I feel were originally um, told in order to initiate us as youngsters into these ideas. And they're beautiful maps for self-growth, self-perception, self-awareness, and spiritual growth and emotional wisdom. Um, these stories have, you know, those journeys of, of growth are, are mapped out for us in a lot of these folk tales. So I just wanted to say a few words about that. I'm curious, were, uh, did you, were you, did you ever have favorite stories or folk tales um, with your daughters that had any of those kinds of messages? No, no, not, not at all. I, my books are education. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I like about Black history. And stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. we we're pretty we we're pretty ed educa educational um, um, on this end, you know, Elmo books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was very very much into the the educational side, the the reading, um, and and the self awareness, you know, understanding understanding who you are, understanding um, who God has created you to be, um, a, a very biblical, you know, um, background and foundation. So that's pretty much where, Those where we, all our books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so a How lot many of- many Black history books? You, know, you gotta know the culture. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's interesting because I imagine if we, dig deeper into those traditions. Uh, I know that there has been some um, research done about cultures that do celebrate the menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are. And there are some, uh, there are some remnants of um, menstrual celebration and womb reverence in various tribal cultures and indigenous mm -hmm, cultures mm -hmm. and that haven't been and as you can see by the, by the with the christian church a lot of that has been removed from culture and part of the womb centered healing process i feel is important is to regain that ancestral lineage for all of us um, that, uh, and re-establish that awareness of the importance of the menstrual cycle in understanding who we are and understand and coming into our full power again um, and reclaiming that life regenerative power. Well, I think at the, at the end of the day, you know, and I, I can't speak on, on what was removed from a, a Christian side or, or not, because I've never looked at it um, in that sense at all. But I believe at the end of the day, I think we need to, as you pointed out, that we need to take the negative you know, um, away from it there. Yeah. Take that stigma away. I don't even know really why we've even placed a stigma on, on a natural, uh, a natural transition of, of the body. So I don't even understand why we've even ever placed it on it to begin with, you know, life is, is centered in this, the, you know, life is centered around the menstrual cycle, life, being creating you know so all of those things and so i really i like the fact i i even have seen where some um some companies even make packages now you know of of your first cycle and things uh they put into the boxes things to help prepare you little things for moms to talk to their daughter about i think it's opening up mm. a little bit more mm. and when i say a little bit more <laughs> you know, like that. But I think with conversations like this and with podcasts like yours, we'll be able to give a better understanding. Mm -hmm. It does not have to be, and it should not be a negative thing. Mm -hmm. This is you growing. This is you becoming. This is part of what's making you into the, this beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there is, I think, a wonderful celebration around you being able to transition and grow into another phase of your life. Yeah, I mean, you were very um, intentional about like not, about me not feeling bad about it. Mm -hmm. But because of like how young I was, you were like, now you did talk to me about privacy, not because, and you made it very clear not to feel shameful, but because 
I was the only girl in my class, like who nine out of 10 times had it. Mm -hmm. And so not knowing, you know, kids can be mean and they Mm -hmm. can be cruel Mm -hmm. and then not knowing how to deal with that if people are spreading stuff about you. So that was the only thing that you talked to me about, like, you know, other people's bodies in your class or not. They haven't transitioned to this part yet, but when you go to sixth grade and you go to middle school, oh, you're going to have so, there's going to be so many more girls. Who, and I'm like, really? Because I'm the only one. And yeah, she felt like, really isolated, yeah. you know? And so so for me, I was concerned as, as a parent, again, not for you to feel shameful about it, but because other girls hadn't, um, hadn't started their cycle yet. And then, you know, boys are immature, you know, and I didn't want, um, you know, something to fall out of your bag. I didn't want, you know, so I was very intentional about, you know, speaking to, to teachers and, you know, not questioning her, you know, when she has to go to the bathroom. Because I had to go a lot. Yeah, Yeah, she had to go. I don't know. And she didn't know, you know, so it was, it was nerve wracking for me. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I was the one who's like, you know, make sure that you keep this like this, you know, put, um, uh, I may have even sent some shorts. I, yeah, I can't, I, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just in case. So I was more, yeah. probably so the, more so nervous. Privacy wasn't about me being ashamed about it, mm-hmm. but just because like you said, not wanting me to be in a position to feel even more isolated than I had already felt. I was so but scared were, she was going to be embarrassed yeah. or, or, you know, and I'm just like, oh my you, gosh. Like, when, when, you go, when you go to middle school and you go to, everybody's going to have it. And you guys, you guys are probably even going to talk about it all the time. And it's going to be so normal and it's going to be so free. And she was right. Yeah, I, I just wanted it to, to be normalized. Everybody you know? in sixth grade had it. We all was talking about it. And like, guys, I started my period. Does anybody have any mind Like, so we were just so open with yeah. each other because we all were experiencing it, which was such a huge relief mm. because, and it was such a, a 180 difference in my feeling of isolation from mm-hmm. when I was in elementary school. So, And what a blessing to have your mom to support you through that early starting phase where, you know, she, it sounds like, Shelly, you were really trying to care for her in a loving way um, and not, and, and which is a fine line of not shaming her, not, mm-hmm. not having the shame come from you, but the care that you're probably very aware that the shaming, shaming could come from other people and right. wanting to protect your daughter from that. What fierce mothering, I just want to acknowledge uh, oh, you for that. You. <laughs> and, I'm, and it gives me a sigh of relief to hear that kind of a story. I hear so many stories about this kind this aspect of the mother-daughter relationship that's so disappointing and heartbreaking and this is really a a a hopeful and nourishing story to hear so I really appreciate that oh and I think for me like what I'll take away from it is you know if I have a a daughter in the future like to maybe talk to them explicitly more explicitly than what you did to me at an earlier age yeah I like you know books and things you know I think that I really do if I could if I could go back and do it over again I think I would have you know books I thought that you know hey we have our body books and things like that we talk in the tub and like that but I really think that I would have books that that start at two hey you know this yeah. this is what's gonna happen to your body so now it's more normalized yeah. and as you become six eight and, ten and you're gonna know it you're gonna seven. know you know, yeah, you're, you're going to know, know and this is what's going to end up happening. So I think, you know, it having, young. it you starts know, so, young start so young now. Like nine, and, yeah. and I just kept thinking, I think I was just in a, in a la-la land of like, oh no, not yet. Well, when did but you, that, start, also, you know, you were a teenager. Yeah, because right? I was a yeah. teenager when I started my cycle. So I, I for sure never thought, I, I think in my head, I was going to start preparing her, like fully preparing maybe like around 11, mm-hmm. 11 and a half. I'm thinking maybe like 12, 13, you know, yeah. you'll start your cycle. But like I said, I thought that I had been doing small things yeah. along the way. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> so for her, really, it was a shock. My youngest girl was so small and petite. And I have been told before that sometimes when you're a smaller person that you don't start your cycle as early. I have been, so that was not the truth. (laughs) So I thought I had time with her too. So on both instances, 
that was not, you know, that was not the case. And so, like I said, my youngest is very, very private. She's very, you know, to herself. So it's me like having to go to her versus her, you know, coming a lot. And in all honesty, she would really have to be the one to tell me how that how that all went down because I really don't have. I want her to tell me. Yeah, because I, I, I just I really don't have a re- like like my, what what happened. My recollection <laughs> is that I didn't even know that she had started her cycle until maybe like she was already in it for about a good three four months. So I mean, you know, well that's we my memory. Oh well, we were definitely you know conversing. I know, I, about, yeah. yeah, that's all when you like she. I'm like I don't remember. So no, because I and I know that I with her she she's to herself, but I know. I spent a little more time like in the bathroom with her yeah. versus Brie. I don't really think I spent a lot of time with Brie in the bathroom, but you know, my youngest, I spent time, you know, in the bathroom or this or that. So, but I'm going to have to ask her, <laughs> you know, what, what happened? Oh, oh my goodness. So I, I have so many more questions, but I'm just noticing that the time has flown by oh, with this conversation. Yes. And this is wow. what happens when we get into this kind of topics, the time can just fly on by because these, these stories are, have been needing to be told and needing to be shared because of so many generations of suppression. And so it's such a relief, I feel, to be able to sit in a, in a, you know, with even just one other woman, but with two other women and share these stories, especially around this journey, mother-daughter journey, and how do we support our daughters in this transition? And I would love to hear more. And so um, I would love to invite you both to come back for a, a part two episode, if you're available to do that, because I yes. have more questions about the next part of this, because there's the period starting, right? The menstruation, and then there's the development of the fully fertile sexual young woman, right? Yeah. And that's mm. a whole nother That's topic. a whole nother. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten into that one yet. So if you're willing to, to share about that, because the mom, it has a lot to offer a young woman coming into that, right? And then how is that received and all of that? There's lots of questions to ask about that. So if you're willing to sh- come and share... And if you did want to bring your other daughter on, I don't know if she'd be willing to share she the podcast. Never come. <laughs> no. Okay. Not, not even if you buy not her, even, her favorite ice cream. She'd, she'd be, be like, like okay, well, maybe not, but uh, maybe you'll you'll um, find out more for within your own family uh, of that curiosity for yourself. Um, I'm, and maybe this conversation has sparked an interest in, in, in letting these stories come out more into the open. So I thank you so much for coming on the show. If folks want to get in touch with you about your work and your wonderful service that it sounds like both of you participate in supporting others to have a healthier relationship or develop a healthier mother-daughter relationship. And so I'm sure there might be some listeners who are curious to get in touch with you about that. Can you share how they might do so? Well, together we have an Instagram and our Instagram is Shelly and Brie. And so you can always connect with us on Instagram. As for myself, I have a website, ShellyMache.com, just my name, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-M-E-C-H-E-T-T-E. And on there, um, any of the ladies, I have on there an ebook that you can download for free. And it's the five daily happiness habits. Because again, before we can even begin to have that relationship, with other people, we need to be able to figure out the relationship with self. And so that ebook helps start that with five daily things you can do to begin to understand self. So those are the best ways to be able to connect with me through my, my website and on our Instagram together. Lovely. Excellent. So Thank you so much once again, both of you for joining us and listeners also know that if you want to learn more about what is on offer at the womb centered healing temple, you can go to wombcenteredhealing.com, sign up for the newsletter and you can receive a free womb listening meditation, which is a great way to connect with your own inner voice of wisdom from the womb. So, um, there's that. And thanks once again. Um, That's all for now. Until next time. Bye.